Welcome to the Philly Prime Podcast. I'm Dave Schratweiser. Again, this week, we're joining forces with MobTalkSitDown.com because we're talking about some mob hits that have gone unsolved. Uh, last week, we had on uh, Philadelphia retired Philadelphia Crime Scene Unit investigator John Taggart, 32 years with the police department, 22 years nosing around crime scenes and collecting evidence for the police department. He's one of the top forensic experts around, uh, has his finger on the pulse when it comes to the latest technology and doing all the things they can do to gather evidence to help solve crimes. And we talked about this the last time, John, five or six mob hits ended up in your lap where you had to go out and either process the scene or do something related to a vehicle from a mob hit, that kind of thing. Uh, and we, we also talked about the fact that a lot of these didn't get solved. So, which is a frustrating part for a guy like you. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's actually sad because a lot, I mean, I don't, I don't remember anyone I worked on ever got solved. I know one got close and I know like, as long as I've been in the unit, only one ever went to court like ever. Yeah. Which is, you know, your goal is to get to court, right. And to, and to give evidence and get a conviction. Exactly. Or at least get an arrest and, you know, maybe have a plea out in court because you, you've collected such good evidence and, uh, just none of these ever happen. And like I said before, they're almost like business-like, these, yeah. these jobs. There's no witnesses and nobody talks. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the way the mob likes it. Uh, that's, <laughs> a clean, that's a clean job to them, right? Uh, to, to make it so you can't solve. That's that's the goal. Yeah. Okay. Um, last, yeah, go ahead. last week we talked uh, about the Ron Turchie murder um body found in a car in october of 1999 this week we're going to talk about the murder of raymond long john martirano uh martirano is a longtime philly mob uh soldier associate uh, all the way up the ladder very important person uh in the drug trade born in sicily here in philadelphia who's into video poker um according to the fbi and investigators he's involved in the meth trade um, stuff like that. Uh, very, very um, influential person in mob circles for a number of years. Uh, did a lot of time in jail and had gotten out of jail uh, almost, I think he did 13 or 14 years and got out in 1999 uh, and then met his demise on January 17, 2002. He was shot. Uh, he survived the initial shooting. Uh, he was raced to the hospital, and he died a few days later, I believe on February, in, sometime in early February. Um, but this mob murder took place, and we'll show you some pictures from the scene, uh, somewhere in the somewhere between Fitzwater Street, where he lived, where he drove out the back of his home there, onto Fitzwater, and then down towards Spruce Street. And somewhere in there, police believe, FBI agents believe and investigators believe he was shot and continued to drive down towards Spruce Street, I believe headed towards the hospital right down in that area, I guess it's Pennsylvania Hospital right there. Um, and he was trying to get there after being shot uh, and his car crashes into a fire hydrant and he is scooped up. There you see it's a Lincoln Town car. Um, the bullet holes are in the windshield of the car. We'll show you a few others during this. Uh, and then everybody descends. It's like 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. I remember I was in the newsroom at Fox 29. We heard there was a shooting. 
we kind of knew the neighborhood. We figured this might be something mob related, but in, in no uncertain terms, it was clearly a homicide or what appeared to be about to be a homicide. If the guy died, the victim died on the way to the hospital. So we raced over there. One of the few, first few people at the scene and onto the scene comes a number of people, including homicide investigators, detectives, and John Taggart with the guys from the crime scene unit or CSU. And John's in one of the pictures off to the right. You can't see me as his hat on behind the officer on your right. Um, John, you come upon the scene here and are you, did you know it might be a mob hit on the way there? Did you figure it out when you got there? What did you know when you got there? No, it's, it's not uncommon for us to handle, um, murders or ag assaults at a hospital. Um, people get scooped up in their personal vehicles. Mm -hmm. So at the time we didn't know, we just knew someone was trying to get to the hospital that was shot and they were trying to get to Pennsylvania hospital and they crashed into a, a, a fire plug and center city's backing up. So you got to get down there as soon as you can. Yeah. And even now, like you don't want to be rushed. I don't want to, I don't care if what it's going to do to the center city's traffic. So, uh, but we'll try to be as accommodating as possible. But once we got down there, um, uh, some of the veteran homicide detectives, and I think I saw a couple of them in this, in one of these pictures, right. they had told us right away that uh, this was a potential another mob hit, and he was still alive. He was actually in the ER at the time. So now you have to really protect the scene because you don't know uh, what's coming. Are they going to come and try to finish him off? So again, you got to call for more more cars and you got to protect the ER, um, the hospital area. And, and in the middle of that, you also got to try to find out what happened. And, and on this case, more importantly, where it happened, yeah. we had no idea where this happened. There were no calls at the time to say, um, where this shooting occurred. Mm. And there's no ballistics evidence at the scene, no casings, you know, that, that are, um, left by a fired weapon. And so you, you have no idea where this even happened at. All yeah. you have is three bullet holes yeah. in the window, windshield of, a, of, of this car. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know that area, it's right on the edge of Society Hill and Washington Square West. And this, he comes down off the Fitzwater Street area up one of the numbered streets to Spruce Street, uh, makes the left and then crashes into that fire plug um on the side of the on the side of the road right there and there was really no idea at that point as john just said where did the shooting actually occur that he was able to drive himself uh and i believe he's 74 years old at the time so um he took some bullets and continued to drive and got up to spruce street made the left headed towards pennsylvania hospital supposedly he was on his way to a doctor's appointment anyway that day but the um theory is that he was shot coming out of an alley behind his home over in the Fitzwater Street area uh, and then drove himself to this scene. So, John, you get out of the car, the truck at this point. I remember you guys pull up and you see this uh, put on your investigator hat. What are you doing right off the bat when you see this? Well, first off, you know, it's it's 8th and Spruce and it's traffic. It's, it was even hard to get to the scene by then because, you know, everything's blocked off and you know, streets in the, in the city go one way east or westbound and they go one way north or southbound. So if you, you block off one or two streets, 
Yeah. You got gridlock everywhere. Um, from what we could make out, he was traveling uh, westbound on Spruce Street. And somewhere along um, his path, he was he was shot. Um, I, I remember walking uh, eastbound down Spruce Street, looking for, looking for casings. Did he did he strike another car? Maybe we could follow that path. You know, as he's losing consciousness, maybe he struck a, a car or two. Mm -hmm. We couldn't find any other other cars he, he struck. And again, there, there's no witnesses, so. It's kind of like a disorganized crime based on time, mm -hmm. and very visible where it happened. So it's not like your 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 other mob hits where, you know, you find a body and that's that's it, or you find a body in the trunk of a car and that's it. You have no idea where it happened. This one, you know, you 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 think you would have had more more witnesses. Yeah. Out there. It's four o'clock in the afternoon because I was in the newsroom blocks away at Fifth and Market, Fourth and Market. And we ended up over there as a whole bunch of guys were arriving. You guys, I think, were just coming down the block when we got there. This is like 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. That's rush hour. And that area right there is heavy traffic to begin with. How he didn't strike another car or strike another person on the way to the spot where he hit the fire hydrant is beyond me. But that, that did kind of stick out. And as you said, it's pretty bold and pretty brazen to do this at that hour of the day in that location and again for you know at the time you know our our knowledge of the crime was limited but you could at least go over radio and say you know in any adjoining districts or this district did anyone hear any gunshots mm. and nobody heard nothing mm. which is kind of crazy yeah but that's the way the mob wants it when they do a hit they want it clean like that no witnesses no ear witnesses, eyewitnesses, uh, nothing like that. They don't want to leave any shell casings behind, uh, that kind of stuff. And they accomplished that on this one, did they not? They did. I mean, we we literally found nothing. And I, I, I know there was even a thought um, originally that were those bullets being fired back out the windshield at a suspect because uh, window or uh, windshield glass is, is kind of sometimes difficult to tell which way the the bullets are going yeah um because it's it's sandwiched in between different plastics and mm. so it, it, we weren't sure that uh john wasn't firing back out yeah. the car at, at originally but we kind of dispelled that yeah pretty much right away uh, describe that car for me when you walk up on it i mean it was a bloody scene i was standing across the street when you guys were processing the scene um there was blood everywhere in that car. I mean, it was no doubt whoever did this uh, meant to take this guy's life. Yeah, but only only um, three shots, which is um, that that was kind of intriguing too at the time that they they got him this many times. And I remember we put the probes in and 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 kind of took a little heat over it mm -hmm. because you need you need an adjoining hole. Like there had to be a hole in the seat. There were no other holes. So all three of them bullets struck Mr. Martirano. Yeah, so they found their home. So whoever did this potentially was up close to the car. You can see the probes, by the way, in the windshield right there coming out. They're placed in the in the holes to help investigators gauge at what height the shots came from. Am I right about that? And how close they could have been? Walk me through that, why they're so important. 
I mean, you do want an adjoining hole to, to stick that probe in. Hopefully one of the bullets would have missed or, or went through them and then you can, you can get an accurate reading. So here we're just, we're just trying to figure out is, is it, were they shot from an elevated position? Because at times um, you can walk up onto a car and, and mimic an elevated position the closer you get to the car. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we determined that they were pretty much right on top of them. And um, that was our final conclusion on that. Plus they had struck them three times with three shots. Not easy to do from an elevated or an extended uh, position. Yeah, through a windshield. Through a windshield. Yeah. Very difficult to do. So would you say whoever did this uh, clearly had, been, had, had handled a firearm before? Not asking you to make be an investigator here, but it's kind of. Yeah, because you got to be, you, you got to hold a steady hand. I'm, I'm sure the car is moving. Um, it's a pretty good grouping, the three shots right there. Um, yeah, they weren't, they weren't in fear for their life. Mm-hmm. Never fired these three shots. And I'm kind of surprised that he doesn't have a, a weapon on him at the time. Mm-hmm. Mr. Martirano. Yeah. Do you think, uh, there was an element of surprise here? Um, and, and, and that's why he couldn't react to it or run them over or whatever. Absolutely. I, I believe he took one of the shots in his arm. So I'm sure at one point he saw stuff coming mm-hmm. and try to put his arm up. Defensive wound, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from what you could tell from the car, I mean, it, it must have been kind of disappointing that there were there were none of the shots missed and you were able to retrieve a bullet or something that might at least forensically help you with the case. Do you remember? And I, I realize I'm going back again to 2002. Um, you know, that's 21 years ago, your thoughts on, on some of the evidence you were in fact able to gather there. Um, again, not a lot. Like we never found out where the shooting occurred. Um, and again, getting back to the last case where, uh, x-rays will be taken. I'm sure. And I don't, I don't know this. I mean, um, that bullets were retrieved from Mr. Mortarano's body that, you know, our ballistics unit could match to a weapon, mm-hmm. but like these jobs, you never find them guns. Yeah. They're long gone, probably within a half hour of this job happening, them go- them guns are gone. Yeah. So you, the chances of you getting a weapon to kind of compare them to, unless it pops up in one of the databases as having been used in another crime, um, that kind of thing, you, you're kind of shooting into the dark, excuse the pun there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're just never. They're so they're so well backed with money that you're never going to find these guns. It's just yeah. like a, yeah. a screwdriver that they just get rid of. So if we go back to a shot of the hood of the car, there, uh, my producer Rich Sisto, um, from the way those shots are fired in from the passenger side, there, were you looking for palm prints or handprints possibly on the car that maybe the gunman puts his hand on the car to steady himself when he opens fire there? We did, but there was always um, like you'll very seldom see us dust for fingerprints at a scene very seldom Mm -hmm. they like to get search warrants for everything and when i first got to the unit there was always be a fight do we need a search warrant or not a search warrant right early on in my career like the powers to be got together and said if if you get killed inside of your house 
we're not going to do anything until we get a search warrant for even though you're the victim. Mm-hmm. So in the in the police department, anything that gets processed uh, gets a, gets a search warrant. Yeah. So, again, we're, we'll, we'll photograph it. We'll sketch out the scene. We'll find as much as as, as we can possibly get. We took we took some blood samples and uh, and then you know, a day or two later, they'll get a search warrant for that car and we'll process that car. Right. I don't remember doing that car specifically. I can't say yes or no. And again, mm-hmm. so many jobs happen in the city that that's how you get involved in so many different jobs. Somebody else might handle that process that car just because yeah. I do the original scene doesn't mean, you know, st- stuff happens on different ships. Yeah. Okay. So this car, in all intents and purposes, goes up to McAllister and Whitaker to the police garage again. It, you leave it in there for 24 hours, keep the car warm, get the car warmed up because you get, I guess you can get fingerprints off a surface a little bit better that way. And then they would process probably that front end that we're talking about right there. Correct. And then looking back, it, it is colder there. You can tell the way we're dressed. Yes. Yeah. You would want the January. car. Yeah. You would want the car to warm up and get all the moisture out of it. Because even at that scene right there with the motor running, um, condensation occurs a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Water is the enemy of any kind of fingerprint or fingerprint brushing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so on this case, all this gets gathered up. Mr. Martirano dies a few days later. Uh, there's all kinds of speculation. That's his, uh, at his funeral. Um, there's all kinds of speculation about why this happened. There was some talk that uh, he was in the video poker business. Some of his, I, I guess you want to call them arch rivals in the organized crime in South Philly were in that business. There was some thoughts it was over that. There was some thoughts that it might be an attempt by him ongoing to kind of take over the mob for the kind of old Scarpo faction. There was another theory out there that he wasn't paying street tax on the video poker games he had stationed around the city, that kind of thing. Um, there was all kinds of speculation about why this was happening. And we're going to go back to this because we just talked about it, about the Ron Turchie murder. Again, we're 21 years out. This case has never been solved. Um, all the evidence you guys gathered, the pictures, sketching of the scene, detailing all that stuff, the blood samples, whatever fingerprints and or DNA, whatever came off the car, all that goes into a box, goes to homicide. They work on the case. When it goes nowhere, still while it's going ongoing in a hot investigation, the FBI joins in. Could you tell that was going to get this kind of attention from being on the scene that day too? I mean, a lot of investigators showed up. Uh, Absolutely. And You're blocks from FBI headquarters here. And the, and the homicide unit. You hate to downplay them, but I remember specifically one, and I believe it was an FBI agent. There's a bus stop right there. Yeah. And he saw fresh cigarette butts. And he thought they could be the shooters. And I'm like, what shooter? There, there's, no, there's no indication. And there was all kinds of people out mm-hmm. that he was not shot at Ethan Spruce. No. He was shot somewhere else, and there's no phone calls. And that's the kind of like craziness that you gotta, the the fog gets in the way. Yeah, we say. Yeah, people just want to become part of the investigation or think. Yeah, it it just it it gets crazy. Yeah, and it and you don't have the beauty of what you have now with vehicles where literally the equipment in the car can give backtrack for you 
where that car was before. It's called an infotainment center. It's in the back of the car. It's in the back of the screens. Everybody has a screen on their car now for directions, backup cameras, uh, you know, Google Maps, the whole nine yards is on that. But there's a little piece of information now in the back, and I'm talking about this publicly because it's been out in court many times now, kind of known as the infotainment center. You can take that out and extract from that all kinds of info, how fast the car was going, who got in and out of the car, how many times it got in and out of the car, where it started, where it stopped, where it started again, all that would have, these days, that would have helped you walk all the way back to the crime scene, would it not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it tells you that there, and it, a lot of investigators don't even know about it yet. So I remember my last year, like we said, you, you got to check and see if this has the infotainment center. It'll tell you how long the doors are open. Mm. Um, if anybody else, like if you get a suspect car, it'll if, if they plug their phone into the uh, the charger, it, it'll tell you whose phone was in the charger and the numbers. It's it's crazy. And again, it's just like the ongoing technology. You got to stay up on it. But so many guys don't know about that infotainment center. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting. You have to have search warrants, A, to get in the car now. And you have to have a separate search warrant, if I understand correctly, to get into that infotainment center or info center, whatever they call it. It's got a bunch of slang names to it. But I have already heard about probably two dozen murder investigations where that has literally walked investigators right to the suspects. And and like I said, for the last year and a half, two years, all I've done is, is cars involved in homicides. Right. And uh, I can think of probably... 15 or 20 jobs where they literally had, well, they had the car, but not knowing who else was in the car. And it did just so much information. And, and again, you, you scratch your playlist. If you plug in, you listen to music, it'll tell you whose playlist it was and all that kind of stuff. And it, well, it'll, the phone numbers, it'll give you the phone numbers of who was plugged in, who was in the car. Yeah. One of the recent cases that got helped to get solved here was the Roxborough shooting up at Roxborough High School after a football practice when a bunch of guys got out of a car and opened fire, uh, unfortunately killed one young man and uh, caused pandemonium there uh, on the street. The infotainment center in one of those vehicles led police to one of the suspects and then led to some other people as well. Uh, I did both of those cars. So today's the, today's the anniversary of, mm -hmm. of that, you go. which it seems like two three years ago it does not seem like it's been a year yeah but again um so much so much uh evidence was collected from both of those cars and, yeah. and we're still looking for the, the the first guy we actually um got evidence from yeah okay cool um in this day and age today we don't see mob murders anymore mob hits there hasn't been one in philadelphia since 2012 11 years ago um, if you had a hit like the John Moderano, Long John Moderano hit today, what's your thoughts? You think you would have had a better chance to solve that case given the technology? Let's say he was driving a 2021 or 2022 Lincoln Town car uh, when this happened. Just bring this into the current 2022, 2023 era. What's your thoughts? You think you'd have you would have had a much better chance of solving this case? I bet. A completely better chance because if it, it did had that you could tell the starting point and then you can just like we didn't know at the time how far we had to walk i remember i walked like two or three blocks looking for casings 
But again, we, nobody had called and said they heard any gunshots. So it was kind of like a, a blind walk looking for evidence. But it would tell you, you know, when he started his car, how long he was in the car. You could tell if there was cameras at that location might give you a video of the gunman. And that's driving, right? That's the second part. Everybody yeah. has video now. So, I mean, it, early on when, when video first came out, it became a crutch to detectives because if they didn't find video, it would seem like the, the, the case would die. Mm -hmm. um, but now that it's gotten so much, I can show you videos of murders that you, you just wouldn't believe. And then the different the different types of cameras. I mean, originally they were VHS tapes that wrote over each other, you know, after mm -hmm. four or five hours. So you had to get them real, really fast. Now, these some of these these cameras hold information for for months. Yeah. That you can I remember the, the bombing on uh, Spruce Street where the uh, gentleman got a package in the mail and it exploded. Yes. He literally walked back what they thought was the suspect who have never been caught by the way walked back his path tracking cameras all the way back down spruce down i think second or third street to northern liberties almost two miles of video was collected of where he got off a bus or got out of a car in northern liberties worked his way all the way down to the scene where this happened that's how good so if you had that today and knew where that car started and where it had stopped say when he first got shot you would be able to go look for cameras there, which might give you the key to the whole case. You just you would just backtrack it. I mean, we have some guys in homicide that are absolutely incredible at what they've done. Mm -hmm. And I've had a couple jobs where they've gone miles, not just blocks, like miles of and you just go to the next spot and then you find video of the car, or the person, and then you go to the next spot and then it just continues on. Yeah, I would think that's probably why organized crime figures don't do hits anymore, because their chances of getting caught are much greater now than they were in 2002. You're a betting guy sometimes. 50% um, better chance of solving a case like this? Higher if this happened today? Oh, much higher. I, I would think much higher. Yeah. yeah. Just, just with the the ring and, and, and the, the doorbell, the doorbell cameras. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. And then the city puts out, you know, if you want to be on their website or, or their, uh, they have a database now that you'll, you'll willingly give the video. Owners do this homeowners, right? You can put yeah. your, and you can feed the video right to them. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of tremendous tools now, which probably is a good reason why, we don't see any more mob murders in Philadelphia. And I believe the word is out, by the way, from the Godfathers in New York to organized crime families across the country. Stop doing mob murders. It's just too risky, too dangerous. It leads back to the suspects who lead back to other people who cause people to cooperate with the government and bury everybody. So it's a kind of a trickle down effect kind of there. Um, John, uh, again, this case didn't get solved. Um, got to be frustrating for guys like you and the homicide detectives and the FBI agents unable to, you know, bring a suspect in on this and get a conviction. Yeah. But, but again, like tomorrow's another day, there's another murder in the city that we'll, we'll work on. And it just, it's just a snowballing effect. It just continues and continues. Mm -hmm. And with video now, I mean, there's so many murders on video now that it's, it's frightening mm -hmm. whether or not mob murders are just, you know, street guys going at it 
battling over corners and and the firepower now has just increased yeah so and much and sometimes the video is guys get out and fire 70 to 100 shots and that's all caught on tape and that's I, I always talk about that and when i first got to the unit there'd be three three to maybe 10 fire cartridge casings now we go out and we've my last year we went over 100 a couple times yeah and i know people at your station had made a comment that we had to make up you know well, numbers right evidence we only go up to 99 because because <laughs> the company that make these numbers figure out yeah. Yeah, it's not a laughing matter to see that yeah, get many shells. I know I'm laughing here. I'm not doing it that way. But I mean, I remember talking about having to create more markers because there was so many shots fired. That, that's pathetic, actually. It know? is. It's, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. And what's even, I mean, that more people don't get hit with yeah. all this firepower. We're, I, I don't even know where all these bullets are going half the time. Yeah. It's so brazen. It's so ridiculous. Uh, you know, it's got to stop. And uh, hopefully all the forensic technology and things like that will help put some people away and the message will get out to kind of stop doing this. John, I appreciate you joining us again this week. Um, we got a few more episodes because we got a few more mob hits to go over that you were involved in. Uh, I don't want to give them all away, but uh, they're all noteworthy and were newsworthy when they occurred and they are all unsolved. So I ask you to come back again, John, thanks for being on the show again this week. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dave. All right, folks, thanks for listening again to Philly Prime Podcast and on mobtalksitdown.com. It'll be up on our YouTube channel. Uh, enjoy this. Uh, it's kind of an inside look at a very intriguing, interesting, albeit you know, horrific situation to have to be gathering evidence at a homicide scene. But it kind of takes you back behind the scenes to see how it gets done. And hopefully the success rate continues to go up with good forensic gathering. So thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time.